It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by former Syracuse basketball player James Sutherland. I talked with James about his coach at Cardoza High School, a New York City legend, Ron Naclerio, his Syracuse career, and a lengthy pro career that has stretched from the NBA to Europe and back this season in the NBA G League. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Krause Health. Um, today's guest is a guy who Syracuse fans, I'm sure, remember, um, if not for his leaping ability, then for his three-point shooting ability, and also some of the incredible teams he played on. Uh, former Syracuse star James Sutherland. James, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It took us both a while to get our schedules to mesh and work this out, but um, it's been a while since I've talked with you, so I am looking forward to this. Um, why don't we start off with, you know, letting folks know where you are now, because it was really only recently that you signed with a, with a team here in the United States. You're with the G League Ignite in the NBA's G League. Uh, definitely. I'm over here with uh, G League Ignite, uh, one of the vets. Uh, we have a lot of young guys, uh, great guys, great guys. And one of the best parts is we have Coach Jason Hart, who played for Syracuse, and assistant coach Hakeem Warwick. So it's definitely nice to be with uh, some some familiar faces and um, great, great guys who, who played for the Orange. Now, the past several years, you've been playing pro ball overseas in a variety of countries. How did the G League Ignite opportunity come about? Uh, Coach Hart reached out, reached out to me, and um, he um, he told me he really wanted me to help, you know, help develop develop guys, and uh, you know, just get better as myself. So I'm um, going over here, doing our thing, and uh, it's looking good. What's Jason Hart like as a coach? I remember what he was like as a player. Yeah, definitely, definitely outgoing. Uh, uh, really, you know, having a guy like Jason Hart who's been through it all, who played with his experiences, and also having guys like Hakeem Work who've, who've been in the NBA it's, it's, and also feel like your peers, you know, they're, they're great. It's the great leadership over there and um, they're relatable. You know, I think a lot of people, when they hear G league ignite, uh, they know that it's a team that will take on younger guys, guys who aren't going to college at a high school that they'll, so that, you know, you have a few younger guys and they do this year. They have one kid whose name is fairly well known. Scoot Henderson is going to be a, a very high draft pick next June. But so while a lot of people are going to think, oh, this is a developmental younger G League team, it's not. There's a lot of guys like you uh, who are experienced pro professional players, right? 
Definitely. We have guys like John Jenkins, Pooh Poo Jetter, uh, Aubrey Dawkins, these guys who, who played on NBA level overseas. So we all have experiences on on basically basketball around the world. And it's I feel like it's a nice combination with these young guys. You, you just mentioned Scoot Henderson, who's who's physically who's physically ready for the NBA and not only physically, but he's mentally ready as well. So like playing being in this situation playing against pros every day he's only gonna he's gonna hit the ground running when he gets there so it's it's, it's a real it's a real amazing uh combination of guys and also there's other guys who um are the same who are in the same boat so it's, it's really it's really fascinating I'm wondering what this season's going to be like when you have a team of kids like you know scoot Henderson a teenager a couple other guys just like uh, right around 20 in their early 20s and then Older guys like yourself and and Aubrey, you mentioned Aubrey Dawkins, and uh, you mentioned John Jenkins, who played at Vanderbilt. Um, you know how 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 do these different age groups mesh into a, a cohesive unit? Oh, we're, we're, it's basketball. You know, we play to win, no matter how, no matter how young these guys are. We are definitely and everything like that. But I feel like. Them just seeing pros work out, matching their energy, their discipline, all, all discipline. Um, it just it just translates over. So and I feel like being a younger guy, playing with older people only make you better. That's just how it goes. And you, not, not only are you um, getting better physically, but you're learning. The game is slowing down for you because the game's a lot faster coming out of high school. So I feel like it's um, it's nothing but preparation and. You learn pretty quickly, especially because you just you basically throw into a fire as a kid. So <laughs> you learn, you learn, you get, you learn quickly. You know, they're getting roughed up, they're getting a little bullied, but it's you know you, they it works out. It works out because eventually they can stand their own. What's it been like for you to spend? I don't know how long it's been now, like the last six or seven years playing ball in uh, a whole bunch of different countries overseas. What's that been like? Oh, it's been um, it's been. It's been it's been amazing, you know, um, being able to play in the NBA for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, going overseas and playing in Euroleague, going over like also other places in Europe, uh, Asia as well. I've been literally everywhere, Puerto Rico. So it's it's a lot of different experiences. I experienced a lot of different cultures, and a lot of different teammates who are you know who I keep in touch with today. So I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of it. I mean, all the ups and downs as well. It's, it's all good experiences, and it's nice to meet people and make connections with them as well. I mean, you really have. You played in, like, the top league in, in France. Uh, yeah. I know you played with Cremona in uh, Italy, top. Yeah. Uh, you played in the Bundesliga in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> which one? Which league was the toughest? I feel as if every – well, with France, it was EuroLeague, so that was definitely tough. You know, we, we, we weren't one of the – Top EuroLeague teams were playing tough competition every day, so um, it was tough. But uh, I was, of course, EuroLeague's the toughest. But uh, as far as uh, regular European leagues, I would say they were all different. I feel like at the time when I was playing in France, it was a lot slower at the time. Germany was a little faster. Italy was faster as well. And I feel like it was all different experiences, all different types of um, of of ball. I mean, but it also depends on your team. But um, I feel as if, yeah, in France was more we, we more ran sets more more than usual, and Italy, uh, and Italy and Germany were just going. It was fast paced basketball. I had a Croatian coach in the, in Germany, so that makes sense. We just run, you just run your legs off. So <laughs> two practices a day, just running your legs off. So we were really running up and down. It, it worked. So that was it was good. But I feel like everything was different. I mean, also 
with with all the countries I played in, everything is also different. I mean, I played in Japan, I played the two and the three. So, and usually in Europe, Europe is a more small. It's a bigger game, but I played. I played like mostly like the four or the five over there. So <laughs> it's great. It's been crazy. Like I've, I've been playing my first pro from like one, two, or three, four, and five. I've been playing from point guard to small to to, to center. You just don't. You never know, but. It works out. Whatever the team needs, you know, I just give it to them. So. Mixing basketball and culture together, which places were your favorite and which place was your least favorite? <laughs> well, by far, uh, Japan was the favorite. Japan is amazing. I feel like the, the accommodations you get over the team I was on was basically as close to the NBA. Like, it's, it's like first class. Really? Um, and oh, the least, well, at least had to be France. I didn't, I wasn't really too fond of France. So our owner was, uh, he was a little, he was a little, uh, he was different. He was, um, <laughs> there's one game he sat down all the Americans and like uh, for no reason whatsoever, like what's going on? Like, why would you set us all out? They lose the game, and it's like it, it was, it was, it was kind of different. It was different. It was, it really depends on your owner, to be honest. If your owner is, um, they only do what they want. But I, other than that, I really had – I didn't really have any bad experiences. Everything else is pretty much cool. Uh, everything overseas in Europe is done together. Everything's like family-wise. We eat as a, we eat as a team. We go there. And we do everything as a team. We're all with each other all the time. And that's how you uh, create good bonds with people. Was it hard for you? Because I know when you came out of college – you know, you had you, you had a couple small opportunities there. You know, I know there was – the Charlotte Bobcats at the end of yeah. one season had you. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans yeah. had you briefly at the end of the 2014 season. So you had you you were you got to play. I mean, yeah. how hard was it to realize you know well, the NBA is not going to be where I'm going to end up playing the bulk of my career and and that decision that you probably had to sit down and make to yeah. take that European offer the very first time. Yeah. I mean, I feel as if I mean it's 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 definitely hard when you go undrafted. You just know if you if you make a team, you're going to be 15th man. You're you're basically injured reserve, and it's 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 difficult. But at the same time, I, I'm the type of guy to take it day by day. I just do what I can, control what you can control, and I guess to the point where all right, so you it's your league is is kind of especially when you're offered your league, it's kind of hard to not take and you know because it's it's the best of the best. If you're not, if, if it's not NBA, it's going to be your league, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's definitely a difficult thing because it's hard because it's going to be your first time away out of the country and all that. At the same time, I think I was basically looking forward to just experiencing different cultures, you know? And I mean, it's just a blessing to be playing basketball, especially at, the, uh, at my age, you know, because a lot of, a lot of people after college, it might be it. So, I mean, it just, I, I just feel like I take it day by day and see what, what, um, what happens. Did it help that you were a little older and more mature, that you were a, a four-year college guy, that you had two years with here in the States with either NBA or G League before you did go to Europe? Did that did that help you when you, when you did go overseas? I, I feel, uh, at the time, no, I feel like not not really because NBA, NBA basketball and, and overseas basketball is completely different. Com, uh, it's a completely different style. Um, I would Did it say, help you make that adjustment, though, that knowing that, you know, listen, I'm going to have to go and there's a new culture here and I'm going to have to learn it to do that at the age of 25 or 26 yeah. versus 19? 
Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Most definitely. Because at 19, what do you, I, I can't really, <laughs> that's, that's tough. As, as a teenager, just go out there and uh, be in a whole different, basically a whole different world. Just, you don't, you don't know anything was going on and all that, but um, especially as an American, because you have a lot of responsibilities American on these uh, European teams. But um, no, I, I would say it, would de- it definitely helped. It definitely helped um, just un- having an understanding of, of being a professional. Uh, but you know, um, I feel as if when you go overseas, it's a completely different culture. It's com- like it's every no matter what what country, and it's going to be completely different. And it's, it definitely counts in the organization as well. But I feel like there's really no there's really no um, comparison because you're basically on your own unless you have a family. And if you bring a family, you're basically you're and especially in Europe, like the time difference is it doesn't match up because you're so it's six you're six hours ahead. People are calling you at midnight. It's it's kind of hard to get adjusted with that. But um, you you basically basically you mature faster. I feel because you're on your own a lot of the time. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of difficult. I don't think when it comes to basketball stuff, you you adjust easily. But when it comes to like off the court stuff, it's kind of it's, it's kind of difficult for some guy. I did want to talk to you about your Syracuse days, but I think we have to talk about coming out of New York City, playing at Cardoza High School for a, a legendary high school coach down there by the name of Ron Naclario. And, you know, I, I'm assuming that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are pretty knowledgeable basketball fans. And about half of them are going to know the name Ron Naclario. Now, some aren't. So for those who aren't, who don't know that name, James, why can you tell us about your high school coach? My high school coach, oh, man. He's a character. He's different. He's very uh, outgoing. He's an extrovert. He tells you how he feels. And uh, I feel like a lot of people seen him without even knowing it because he's, a, he's, he's one of the street ball legend guys. You see him out there, call him the doc out there doing his thing. Um, he's in uh, Point Guards um, document. Was it the documentary on HBO or is it? Uh, well, he's on. He's on. I did see Boston. that. Yeah, yeah, Point Guards. Yeah, Point Guards. He's on. Uh, there was a, another one, and one, the and one mixtape was the Thirty for Thirty. You'll catch him on there as well. He had um, great NBA, good NBA players like Dwayne Carswell, Royal Ivy, and uh, Skip to my Lou Ray for Austin. He has the he's the he's one of the men he's one of the, the big big guys in uh, New York City. He's been he's been great for not only his players but also other players in New York City that uh, look to go school D one school or D two school whatever school for free. And um, he 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 runs a good program over there, Cardozo, which is a public school, which is definitely hard, especially with Catholic schools like uh, Christ the King and uh, these big big time guys. So he's 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 always he's a genuine person. He tells you how he feels and. And he he always looks out for um anyone anyone really. Seemed like any basketball event I ever covered in New York City, no matter what it was, <laughs> I'd see Ron Naclario. You'll see him there. He's there. I guarantee you, he's there. He's. You would think after practice he's going home. He's going to he'll he'll you'll call you. He'll so he's in Jersey. He's in New Jersey. He's in Manhattan. He's watching basketball. He he eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball, and that's how he's been. But didn't he play baseball at St. John's University? He did play baseball. It's crazy, right? He was a baseball player, and uh, no, he's, a, he's pretty pretty solid. So like, 
And one one thing that people don't know about him is his his father actually operated Martin Luther King when when he got stabbed or was it stabbed or yeah I think stabbed. So yeah, he's he got a lot of history over there. And um, he used to have the room, the off you go out, walk into his office. There's nothing but newspaper clips covering from the from the floor to the ceiling of uh, all his players and everybody who's done well over there at Cardoza. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I was. I've never visited that office. I never had a yeah. chance to or a reason to go to Cardoza High and see. Yeah. it. but I've heard about it, Definitely. and it's it. it yeah, um, yeah. Ron DeClario's famous office, which just is plastered with pictures and newspaper clippings and unbelievable stuff. He he ran out of room. I don't know what he did all this other stuff, but yeah, there's a lot of room. Was, well, you didn't know it during your days at Syracuse, but because one of his former players was playing here. I communicated with with Ron often. Yeah. If I didn't call him at some point yeah. to ask him a question about you for a story, he was calling me wanting to know how you were doing. <laughs> Did you amazing. know that? Oh yeah, um, he told no, he, he definitely he definitely told me he's not shy. He, he's going to use your number as well. But no, he's uh he's always great. He's always great. That's it shows you how much he cares about his players. Um I mean he he was not only just doing that for me but other people as well. So he was always on it. Why did you go to Syracuse? Where and what other schools did you consider? Um, well, one of the reasons I, I can't forget one of the um, seeing Carmel Anthony and those guys play over there. And that was that was um, what was that? What grade was I in? I think I was I was thirteen years old for sure, or turning thirteen years old. That was like seventh grade maybe. But it was it was amazing to watch. It was this amazing uh, amazing run watching Carmelo, watching G Mac, how uh, King getting the block, of course. Uh, but I was like, oh, this is one of the schools that I want to go to. But funny thing is, I didn't even know where Syracuse was. And stuff was going, well, where's Syracuse? Because, you know, this, this is, that's, it's in New York. Oh, it's, it's right here. It's upstate New York. So, but no, it was uh, amazing. It was amazing um, to have them on the list. Uh, the orange always st- stood out to me. I went to high school with blue and orange as well. So going to, going to, going to uh, Cuse with orange and blue as well. So that was great. Uh, the Big East, uh, it had, of course, the UConn, Georgetown, all the all the Big East schools, all the all the big schools, um, also Hofstra as well. Um, but I feel like just something about Syracuse. I feel like I, I I fit the prototype of a Syracuse athlete. Long arms, um, I and it can can move, athletic, and all that stuff. And then it, it felt like it was um perfect fit. And I also uh, having Coach Hop at the time, Coach Hop was always coming down watching us. So that that definitely Coach Hop was just a great, just a great guy in general. Also a great coach. And he was he, he was always coming down. He came down to one of our um, our practices. I think he saw me from the one from baseline to baseline when like three dribbles, uh, dunk it, and he's like, "Oh my god, I had to go get this guy." <laughs> so that was that help. And um, no, it's, it's been it's been great. It's been great. But there was all the schools as well, the, the, all the Big East schools. I always wanted to play in the Big East, so uh, I felt like Syracuse was the perfect um, place I wanted to be. Yeah, you played at Syracuse. Your four seasons from 2010 to 2013 were basically a golden era in <laughs> yeah. basketball. I mean, the 2010 team at one point is number one in the country and had a number one seed in the tournament. Yeah. 
We'll skip 2011, even though it was a good team, went to the tournament. I think yeah. won a game in the tournament, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 2012, you're number one in the country in the middle yeah. of the season, and you were number one seed in the tournament. Yeah. And then 2013, well, you go to the Final Four that year. Yeah. All right. So here's my question for you. Yeah. Which team was the best one you played on? Best team I played on. Listen, I'm going to go – Oh my gosh, I don't even know. You think about it. We I'm gonna be biased and say my 2013 thing, but let me tell you something. It yes. was as a freshman and just watching Wes Johnson, Chris Joseph, yeah, Scoop, Andy Routens, Rinjayana Waku, like those guys literally couldn't be stopped. It was kind of it was it was crazy. And then we had we had rest in peace, Fab Mello, Dion Waiters. Uh, was this 2012? Yeah, 2012. Mm -hmm. CJ Fair. We were completely loaded. It didn't matter what teams threw at us. We were just it was it was another wave of guys. No, I think uh, matter of fact that year, we had, our bench was competing with our starters to, for uh, <laughs> we're trying to get the most like do the most damage in the game. Our practices were intense. Our practices, I think 2012, our practices were insane because. Your was, second, your back, your second string backcourt was Michael Carter Williams and Dion Waiters. Basically, so I would, I would say that was the best team because I think, I think back then they were saying our second string was a top twenty-five team. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'm gonna be. I said, I said I'm gonna buy say 2013, but 2012 was really crazy because they they were they were saying our second unit was a top twenty-five team. So it was it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, Michael Carter Williams, first yeah. round pick, lottery pick. Deion yeah, Waiters, lottery yeah, pick. Yeah. You played in the NBA because yeah. you were coming off the bench that year. Yeah. Uh, who was your backup? Oh, your, was your backup center, Rakeem? No. Well, he uh, started. Started. He started forward. Was, we had Bai, was a defensive just machine. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't getting anything passed by, by Musicata. Not bad. And, yeah. So we were, we were, we were, we were, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice. It was really nice. All right. It was like, yeah. Um, how, what was it like, or how, how did it feel to after the disappointment of 2010 and the disappointment in 2012 to actually go to the Final Four in 2013? Uh, I feel like, I feel like it was, it was great. I don't, I feel like from our time from 2010 to 2012. It was just a culture like we don't know nothing, but I feel like we didn't know anything but to win. So I know a, a lot of people were saying our 2013 team, we lost a lot of uh, talent, but we felt like mm, whatever, like we, we were still number one by in January. And uh, we had we I mean, that was a time I was suspended for the year for like for the month for, for a little bit of a month. Okay. And then uh, it was a little hiccup. But we picked it up, you know, in a Big East tournament. And honestly, it was amazing going to the Final Four. But being being from New York, Big East tournament, that really hurt me. I really wanted to win my Big East championship because it's at home at Madison Square Garden. Now I really wanted to win that as well. And Final Four, I just feel like because of the Big East tournament, everybody was back on the same page. And I, I didn't feel like nobody was going to really stop us. I know Michigan did, did a good job. And we I wish we would have won that game as well. But I would, it would have been nice to see Louisville back in the championship. <laughs> the final four after losing two of them at, in the big east at the garden exactly 
2010, you're number one seed, you're number one in the country at the end of the season, and, and Arenze goes down with that injury in the Big East tournament and is not going to play in the NCAAs. And in 2012, Fab Mello is the defensive player of the year in the league. You guys have only lost two regular season games, or yeah. not even regular, one was in the tournament. They, yeah. um, you're number one seed, and then you, you find out like a day before or two days before the NCAA that Fab's suspended. Yeah. Which one of those hurts you the, the most that you weren't able to go into the tournament fully loaded? Oh, I mean, they both feel the same exact way. I, I feel like I would say fab, not because of of what happened with him, just the fact that we've been through this before last year or the two years, like, oh, here we go again type. But um, really, there's really nothing you can control. I feel like I personally felt like even with him out, I felt like we still could have got it done. That's how that's how good I felt like we were. I just knew guys were going to step up, especially in the tournament. But that's that's the uh, definitely the hardest part, you know. You having a full solid team, and then boom, last minute, just some guy, some somebody goes down. So, but I, I definitely, um, I mean, at Syracuse, we definitely we like we like all brothers. We always felt like whatever whatever happens, someone else could fill up, step up to that role. So I feel like that's how our team was. Well, guys came close because even without Fab, the defensive player in the league in the Big East, you won three tournament games, and the yeah. one you lost where, you know, if you win, you go to the Final Four. Yeah. I mean, that was a tight game. That was a close game. I mean, I, I do I, – I think you can honestly make the case that with Fab, yeah. you guys beat that Ohio State team and go on. But the fact is, is that even without him, you had won those three games and you were this close. Definitely, I know. I mean, it, 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 I, we we felt it during the Ohio State game because Jared Sullinger was uh, mm -hmm. was tough, <laughs> definitely tough. And um, just have just having Fab out there would it, I feel like would have neutralized it. But uh, you know, it, we can't really do nothing about it. But you know, Ohio State was a great team as well that year. So, all right, before I let you go, we're going to end this on a fun note. <laughs> Do you remember how many three pointers you made against Arkansas your senior year down there in Fayetteville? Oh man, uh, nine three pointers, huh? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nine. you're exactly right. <laughs> so no, it was def definitely felt good. Yeah, that that was definitely a good day because we went there as the enemy, but I had I got a lot of fans in Arkansas because of that game. So uh, <laughs> they were good. There were some good guys. It was, it was a good atmosphere. It was, it was honestly. They said it was the toughest atmosphere in the league that year because they only that was their only home loss was us. Yeah, yeah. I so, think you're uh, right. Yeah, Bud Walton Arena is no joke. If, it's if, no joke. It's a tough place to play, and I think that's what made your nine three pointers all the more amazing is that you didn't do it at the Carrier Dome or yeah. some other random venue. It was you did it against Arkansas in their place. I was always the type of person that. The louder the arena, the better it is for me. I just love that feeling. It's just, it's just exciting. It's thrilling. I feel like it helps me lock, lock in more. Definitely. Uh, but no, that was a good team as well. Those guys were tough. But uh, we, and then one, one thing, my Mark Carter Williams. He, as soon as I hit one, he, he just keeps going back. He's like, you know what? He, uh, there was times where he was, he was literally in the paint in the fast break one on one. He said, you know what? I'm just gonna throw the ball behind me. And oh, there's James Cash. So it, was, it worked out. It worked out well. Playing at Bud Walton made up for playing on the on the deck of the USS Midway for a three point oh, shooter, right? Oh my god! I already before that game even happened, 
I told my guys, watch this. I shot the ball facing the other way. The ball curved and went to the basket. And I was like, I shot it. I shot it not even at the basket. I shot it like 45 degree angle, and it just, the the wind just blew it right to the basket. Like, yep, yeah, that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of day it's gonna be. I said, I'm not. That's the last shot I take. Everything was a layup. Yeah, but, I, I think, I think CJ Fair was the only guy who made a three that day. <laughs> Either team. I know. I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm not ruining my three point sense for this. So like, it was all to the basket. That's actually the that's actually getting coach put me in the top of the zone because like it makes no sense. We we're all lanky, you know. No one's gonna make a shot out here. Just put me in the top of the zone. And I was like, all right, so it worked out. We won the game. It was nice. The jerseys were amazing. We uh, the nice camel jersey. So um, good, good San Diego State team. I, I enjoyed it, even though I couldn't hit a three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, James, listen, I uh, I told you before we started recording, I said, you're not going to believe how fast a half an hour goes on the podcast. And right, fast. Yeah. it did. It's gone fast. And it's been a pleasure for me to have you on here and uh, get to see and talk to you again, because it has been way too long. So way thank you for joining us. Okay. Thank you for having me. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up for sure. Next time you're in the queue. So I want to hear from you. Definitely. All right, James, thank you again for uh, joining us here on the podcast, the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Krause Health. Again, we uh, we do thank our sponsor there, uh, and we thank James again, too, for joining us. So until next time on the podcast, this is Mike Waters saying so long, everybody. I want to thank James for joining me on the podcast today, and thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.